0: Um, uh, welcome everybody. This is episode 199. I just, I just told my guest Lynn today that we we're almost to 200. But episode 199 of the Galen Trombley show, I have Lynn Resnick here. Um, she is owner of two businesses that I know of right now, but Lynn Resnick Photography and Lake City Co-working, which is going to be new. We're going to dive into both of those. Um, I so. I met you at, I know, Chamber Events. I've yes. seen you at Chamber Events. You were very sweet. I think I met you, you said at the Strand, but when you sent the original, um, when we connected, you had mentioned that. And I said, I, I do, I know exactly who you are. So, um, and I knew you had the photography and I did not know about the newest venture. So that is exciting. But for people that do not know you, um, who are you? Where'd you come from? Because based on everything I know about you, you were not a local originally. Right, Maybe, right. I don't know, the backstory. <laughs> newly but local. Newly local, I love it. So Lynn... Tell, tell us who you are.
1: Sure, so I grew up in Massachusetts and went to school in Pennsylvania, moved to Connecticut after college and was actually a teacher. So I taught in Hartford, Connecticut for 10 years And then my husband and I each went through respective career changes that moved us further north, and that's how we ended up here. So we did a pit stop in Boston for eight years. Uh, My husband is an English professor at SUNY. That's what brought us to the area in 2020. And so when we were transitioning from Connecticut to Massachusetts, I really took the opportunity to decide, like, do I want to stay in the classroom? Do I want to do something else? I had started doing photography on the side after my own wedding uh, and really getting into it and really liked it. And so I decided to leave the classroom when we moved to Boston and launched my business. It was still on the side. I was kind of side hustle. I worked in a nonprofit. Um, but started doing that more and eventually took it full time in 2017.
0: So first off, I, you were a history major. Yes. So what got you into history? Cause I saw that and I, I love history. So I was just kind of,
1: yeah, like, I have always loved history. Uh, just love like biographies about historical figures. Um, my specialty was in us history. So I taught civics in us history yeah. and, I just love digging into the multiple sides of stories, of, kind of trying to uncover maybe those inherent truths that you find and the lessons you learn from history. I've just always nerded out about it.
0: What, what was the age group, roughly?
1: High school. Okay. Yeah. So I, was, I had one year in eighth grade, and bless middle school teachers' <laughs> hearts, I can't. It was a lot. And um, it was fun, actually, because I had those students again in 11th grade. Because of the school, but probably I a little changed nicer at that t- at that Yeah, time. it was really fun. And of course, we knew each other. So it was like, <laughs> welcome back. And you're all like, you know, grown up. And um, so that was really fun. So 11th grade was my kind of sweet spot as a teacher.
0: I, I always find that uh, the one thing I like about history was it was stories. And most people, like, they can remember stories because it's very oral and you talk about it, where versus like math or, you know, I find, you know, science I always had trouble with, but like history. Like I was one of those kids. You didn't really take notes. You just kind of sat and just listened and just kind of absorbed the information. Cause I find, is that what you found with teaching was just a lot of just storytelling.
1: There is a lot of storytelling. Well, and a lot of digging into primary documents. That was a big thing. My students, if they were to hear this, they'd be like, are you kidding me? We were so much like doing, not just listening. Uh, there were definitely stories and that's part of it, but it was also getting them to uncover the stories through primary resource material because that's the beauty of American history in a lot of ways is that it's recent. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of original documents and primary sources that you can use.
0: So I'm assuming they're reading like the Constitution and Declaration of Independence. and
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, how how's the, I've never read it. So I'll be, I'm a, I'm a bad American. I've never read our own constitution or anything. But like if you were to read through it, is it pretty easy to understand even today? Or is it still fairly old English? I mean, it wasn't too long ago. It's not like Shakespeare, but it's still... Yeah,
1: I don't I don't find it to be as hard as reading a Victorian novel or something like that. You know, like the 1800s. That wears like,
0: art, all that. Yeah. yeah, and
1: I mean, similar time periods still, but it's, it's in chunks. So I feel like you can dig through them. They do take a little work, though. It's not quite as straightforward as, you know, like reading the paper today.
0: Did, did you find that, like... So history compared to today, because obviously you know you're living in history or, or future history. What what parallels do you draw? You draw the most from say the 1718 early 1900s to even today. You find like there's major themes that kind of carry have have uh, stood the test of at least a few hundred years.
1: I think this is such a fun question. <laughs> I think. You see a lot with social justice and civil rights, and some of the movements for freedoms and the protection of rights and broadening people's freedoms in the country. Mm-hmm. It's a founding concept, and I think that has is we're seeing today in a lot of different movements as well, um, and just the idea of being—I don't know if "revolutionary" is the right word, but you know, working for change, like and mm-hmm. always seeking a better, more perfect version of America and I think that you know the founders said that with like you know in the pursuit of like a more perfect union right so yeah and I,
0: I it's always it's it's cool because you like you take like 1700s like you said you're going against like the the tyranny of Britain and all and you know in that that monarchy and everything else and it's and at the time you know you're talking mid 1700s where that was like the big thing of the day and now you start it's going into you know, the digital age and it's going into like, you know, crypto and it's going beyond, you know, just the human element. It's going, you know, so, so much deeper and, you know, protection of it, you know, uh you know, you hear all these like big tech companies, like protection of our privacy and all that. And yes. it's like, you never had that a hundred years ago, even 50 years ago. So it's, it, but you said like, it, it's a, it's a themes of it where, you know, you don't want the, you don't want the King back then. And now you don't want, you know, certain things being told that you can and can't do in today's day and age. So it is, yeah, that that's, that. I didn't think of that at first, but yeah, that's really cool. Um, so, in, and we'll get all the other stuff. I do like history, so that's why I want to touch base <laughs> on this. Is like, so I love it too. It's what, nice. what was, what's your favorite time period from American history? What was the thing that like got you excited to teach?
1: So when I was in college, I did my senior thesis, actually, funny enough, on photography in the Civil War. It go. was kind of first just coming of age, like the technology was new during the Civil War and it was really interesting how it impacted the reporting that was done and how people were perceiving the battles and things like that. So the civil war is a really interesting period in time. Um, Abraham Lincoln's leadership during that time and some of the questions there. And then I actually started most of the 11th grade. Like when I taught that class that year, that level we started with the gilded age. So like 1880s and nineties and you're getting into like the robber barons and the gilded age of all the, incredible wealth um and a real disparity in class and some of the uh immigration was becoming huge and so it's a really rich interesting time period labor unions are really becoming like a an issue of the day was
0: that was that like the carnegies and rockefellers that yes. like that that's the beginning of that right yep um i was gonna say when I, the one that i always remember the most i always find that for some reason we learned the american revolution like the revolutionary war in like the French and Indian War, like all these wars that led up, I learned those, I feel like every other year from the time I was like <laughs> fifth grade up to the senior year. So I really like understood all the battles and, and I find we didn't spend as much time on the later battles. So like, even, I mean, I'm considering even like civil war and world wars later. Cause you didn't really touch base on those until I think a little bit in junior high, but mostly high school. But it was like, there's so much history. It's like breezed over. It was like, Hey, we're going to spend a week on the Civil War and then a week on the World War one and it just kind of like boom, you know take a turn like a, a was it like a blitzkrieg it was like boom 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 like you got hit with it and it was like okay now we're off to like you know the the, the depression and you're like wow that went quick and yes yeah um, it, I think history too there's so many layers of history that to just give them kind of like that standardized test kind of brush over it's like you can nerd out you, could, I mean, you can just nerd out in history. I had Matt Boyer, who's the ghost tour guy. And like, you just start like push play and just let this guy tell stories. Cause I mean, he's got more than I could ever fill, you know, hours of podcasts. So, which is cool. But, um, so the gilded age. And then was there anything that you didn't like teaching of history?
1: Oh my God. Was the stuff that you're kind of yeah. like, Oh God, this is honestly, there wasn't a ton. I mean, I would say I'm not a specialist in World War II, but I taught it every year in 11th grade. Mm-hmm. And so what was interesting were that I had students who would teach me stuff every year because there are so many deep dives you can make into aspects of battle and warfare and military leadership and those things. And so I, it was always interesting. It wasn't like I didn't enjoy it, but... It was a challenge every year because I don't have all the answers. I'm just a human, right? So well, to to accept like that there's always these new like places that students want to go and to figure out how to balance like letting them do those deep dives and share information and teach you some stuff, but also keep that class moving forward because we always had that deadline to, to get
0: to. Well, do you think that like movies were part of that? Like so much to Saving Private Ryan or Pearl Harbor? Do you think that that might just be like, Oh, I like took a deep dive into this battle they talked about in saving private Ryan? I don't know. Does that that really jump out? Do you find that?
1: Sometimes. Well, and sometimes those also can be loosely based on the truth. Hollywood, Hollywood Yeah. You know, like the Hollywood version of Pearl Harbor was like an interesting, it's mainly a love story that happens to have like a bombing in it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to call (laughs) that like a historical movie in a lot of ways. Um, So that brings its own set of challenges for sure. Like the reality versus the Hollywood version of history. Debunking a few things. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So when was the first cameras taken. You said it was Civil War. Was that kind of when film developed?
1: So daguerreotypes were the original kind of, they were done on silver plates and okay. used all those chemicals and you usually had to expose them. Was that, that
0: big one that you pulled down? big, like, huge one big, that you had to like flash. go
1: under. Yeah, it could have the big flash. And you would usually need to do an exposure, like really original ones, especially on like the Civil War battlefield would be for 30 seconds, let's say, that you had to do like a long exposure um, where you can't move, which is why n- there's not any battle photography of like the heat of the moment because you couldn't actually capture that kind of movement in the technology of the day. And a lot of it was these just scenes of, you know, the dead post battlefield, um, post battle, I should say on the battlefield. I and it say, was say
0: very, very, uh, very low shutter speed at that time. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so, so, um, so the photography aspect, when you got out of teaching to, it was kind of a side hustle that turned into it. Was that, was there a moment there? One where you were completely scared to do it? Like nervous, like, Oh boy, this is like a leap of faith. And then, or were you just excited and like, listen, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to make this happen. And I can see that I can pull this off.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I remember it because I actually had a conversation with my husband because this is going from, a paycheck, you know, known paycheck and insurance and retirement and like all those things Mm -hmm. to leaping out and losing all those safety nets to try and do this new thing on your own and betting on yourself in some ways. I had been doing it part time for several years. So about five years before I decided to go full-time. Mm-hmm. So I had some clientele and referrals and some of the business already built up. It wasn't like zero to 60. Mm-hmm. So that helped a little bit, but it was definitely a conversation and it was definitely a scary leap to take. Uh, and then I had you know, people be like, well, what are you gonna do and how are you gonna fill your time? Because I've been doing it on the side for so long. But really, it just gave that much more energy. I mean, the days are very full, right? Yeah. As a business yeah. owner, jumping in um, and doing all of the things as a solo entrepreneur um, to build that business and make it successful. And
0: well, most people think like, oh, Lynn goes and takes photos. I'm like, okay, have you ever edited photos? Because editing is how like X, how many more time and hours, and then it's then you start looking at like just the tax codes and then you start like the financing and then it's the marketing and then it's just the correspondence and the customer service and then like even though you're your own person there's still like a level of HR and then it's like oh my gosh you're just like layering hats on where really because that's that's always find people that have like a real passion for something and then they go into business and realize they get sucked out of what's fun and start doing all the extra stuff do you find that that's happened to you or are you able to really compartmentalize like the still love of photography
1: I still really love it. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely aspects of the job that I love more than others. Like you were just saying, you have to wear all the hats. Nobody likes to wear all of the hats. Like you're not going to like those equally. Mm -hmm. I really don't like having to go and mail things. I just like that, that errand just is not fun. Um, yeah. but I am the person who does all the things, including send all the ship, all the things. So, uh, that's one, for example, and even editing is super time consuming and I've definitely gotten more consistent and better at it and have a system for it. And I'm actually using AI to help with initial oh, edits cool. now, which is yep. really cool. So yay technology. Yeah. But that can also get, I mean like eight hours at your computer a day, like editing a you know a wedding it takes a long time so yeah there's there's certain aspects that you like more than others, but twenty twenty one was really wild after kind of the world was on pause for a lot of twenty twenty mm-hmm. weddings were certainly on pause for twenty twenty mm-hmm. so last year got extra stressful with adding in two years' worth of weddings in a lot of ways but, but- beyond that i generally can can maintain a a lot
0: of passion for it so yeah i was gonna say for the what do you what do you edit on for photos
1: i have a a mac at home desktop mac and i use lightroom for the vast vast majority that's what i use too and i love it but it's a powerful tool
0: yes and i found out the other day because i was editing so jen who walked in her husband's a fantastic editor um does a lot of photography oh, and that's stuff. Awesome. Well, he does it with Boyer Banner groups. They do a lot of like digital marketing and they do a lot of stuff. And he came down and like gave me like the two minute elevator speech crash course in it. So I used to individually edit every photo. And he oh. goes, Oh, no, 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 no. He goes, You're not that good. Just go and hit auto. And every time it went auto, I'm like, This is because I'm also colorblind. So I'm like, This looks way better than what I was doing. And it brought down my time down to like minutes instead of like an hour. Yes. So, so I'm saying there's so much more to, I mean, it's such a massive platform, but that was like one thing. And then you're like straightening out photos. And I'm like, Oh my God, thank God. Cause I was always stressing like, is my photo straight? And it's like, no, no I'll just tell you if it's straight now. So, yeah. So. The
1: crooked lines. I know. And they have just that auto correct yeah. button. One button changes it for you, fixes it. And then there are presets that you can use to get mm-hmm. a certain aesthetic, Yep. which is big. You play
0: around a lot with those.
1: I have over the years. And I, again, I think, think I'm at a point now where I have a pretty consistent style Mm -hmm. that I it's a goal style it's always evolving slightly but it was something at the beginning where it was definitely going to evolve and change and I wasn't getting to where I necessarily wanted the images to be but now I feel like I do have a, a style that I'm proud of and that I I like being able to achieve. So
0: what, what kind of... I guess, like, what would you describe your style as for... Because for, I've seen a lot. Like, you see some that are very... And again, I'm going from a very layman's term. So you see a lot with, like, dark shadow, very um, contrasty and sharp. And then you see some yep. more bright and airy. You have some that I find are definitely more welcoming. Um, and then you see some that have that, like I said, kind of more of a dark... Um, I don't... I say, like, cinematic effect. But you you know what I'm talking about. Punchy
1: kind of, yeah, vibrant. Yeah,
0: we're almost... it. it I don't want to say the word spooky, but I feel like cinematic, if you're watching a movie and there's some dark shadows and things are kind of, you know, you can really, there's a lot of bold, but dark. And then you've that really light, flowy, bright, a lot of light colors. I don't like, again, what style do you fit in or what do you like to do?
1: I'm definitely on the light and airy side, Mm -hmm. although I do try to preserve darks and shadows. So there's a gradient, I think, for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. There's that spectrum that you're talking about from the dark and moody, if you will, to really bright and airy where you almost don't have actual true black. You don't have like real, real shadows preserved because it's so light and airy. Yeah. And I kind of fall towards the light and airy side, but still having some of that contrast and that punch in there. And it's really film inspired. So I actually shoot hybrid, which means digital and film. I shoot 35 millimeter um, still film photography as well. So okay. on a wedding day I have, I wear two cameras all day and I'm, I'm going back and forth whenever the light allows. Film really needs good light. But. So would
0: you say still, still so, so explain that part, the film part.
1: Yeah, so it's just, it's literally like the ooh, 35 millimeter, like you can buy, you used to be able to buy a Kodak in yeah, the like store. The old school. Yeah, Kodak Portra okay. 400, yep.
0: And okay, wow. so I
1: have an, uh, I shoot Nikon, so I have a, a Nikon digital camera and then I have an F6, which is a film camera from Nikon and so I have an external light meter that I use and to meter for the light wow. for film and and do that which is it's co- totally different experience because with digital you can like look at the back and you can see what's going on with film you have to send it off you get it developed and you get digital scans back but you don't know what you're going to get That's what I was wondering so you send after. these off right Yes
0: So it's kind of like remember when you were say a kid but you would go and like you hey come back in a few days or a week and grab your photos Yeah and like you get the photos and like of course, the other thing, too, is you're just giving to someone to, look, basically, they get the first look at your photos. Like, I don't want you to see my, my family's, like, vacation or whatever it might be. But, like, how crazy was it back then? Like, you actually just gave people to develop, went up and picked your photos back out. Right. But that wasn't that long ago.
1: No, I mean, 20, I,
0: Within the last 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Which seems strange how far... I mean, the fact that your phone is... I mean, I would say, arguably, for the, for the basic people in the world, your phone is all you need.
1: It's an incredible camera. Yeah,
0: it's It insane. keeps
1: getting better and better
0: well and I'm nerding out but like the last one I had like they were going I know a little bit about aperture and all that stuff but like the amount that you can just take in the dark and and just the way that you can get draw light into it on a camera I'm like this is insane considering how much those lenses would normally cost oh yeah like it's it's just insane how much well I mean I'll let you nerd out on the give us the the proper nerd out but um, do you find that the do you find that the filtering that you use on photography, is that more of a style you personally enjoy? Or do you find that you've had to tweak it over the years based on consumer enjoyment or consumer likability?
1: It is something that I have developed for myself as an artist over over time. And I think that most photographers take that same approach. And that's why there are so many styles to choose from out there. Because you have to pick something that resonates for you as a customer or a client. You want to really make sure that the aesthetic matches because there are different aesthetics and it's something I've gotten the question a few times, not as much anymore because I think people are, are, there's just so much photography out there now with Instagram and all the apps and all those things that you can easily see like, Oh no, this is one style. Here's a different one. And so people don't ask you to edit in a style style that is different from your normal one anymore. But earlier on in my career, I would get that question. Well, I really like how you capture, you know, candids or portraits or something, but could you do the edits like totally different? Could you make them more dark and moody or could you make them more yellow or more whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was just some education that you had to do with clients that, no, actually, you know, this is the style and the aesthetic. And I totally appreciate that you might be looking for something else, but it probably means we're not a good fit. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those... Hard things as a young business person, yeah. I think, to learn when you're new in business and that not everybody's a good fit, but it's something I've come to embrace now.
0: I was gonna say, so you've, yeah, you, so that's that's yeah. comfortable for you now, yeah. Um, I, well, I think too, when you're starting out, you don't have the business really, like, you don't, it's,
1: yeah, you're you just like, people, Some someone like, wants to book me, exactly. it's so exciting,
0: exactly. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. what do you want? Sure, what color is it? like, I'll do whatever, and <laughs> um, and I, I think that is hard until you get to the point where you really build that, I say, thick skin, but just that habit of just saying no and then really niching out who you want to work with and I'm sure yeah. like you said you you do it correctly people want to come to you because you're doing what you do so good that they're like wow she's the best at that you know and I think um I think that's true with a lot of businesses and a lot of things it's like music or whatever like you're not gonna change your style of music to appeal to everybody like I just like this music you know I, I like you see some artists and I'm like who would like that music and then I'm like obviously all those people like yeah the they music. have a huge I'm just not their I'm But no, that, that, that's, I like that. Has your style changed much from the beginning? Like evolving? Like, do you find that it's been like slightly tweaked or do you find that you've done a pretty drastic change from the beginning? Or have you always had that kind of love for this type of aesthetic or look?
1: I've always liked the aesthetic I have today, but I definitely didn't know how to achieve it when I was first editing and Mm -hmm. taking photos and getting started. So and it's been 10 years now, which is wild that I've had just as long as a photographer as I did in the classroom. But it it has felt like a subtle evolution for me. So I don't think that anyone from, you know, a year or two ago would look at their images from me and look at my current work and be like, it's totally different. What is she doing? But yeah, if you look back 10 years ago, which I think you could probably see if you scroll far enough on Instagram, first of all, the filters on Instagram were like, yeah, basic. New basic. And yep. Very yellow and muddy and ugly, and we were trying some of those at that back then too. Mm-hmm. So I make no promises that it's pretty. Uh, but the style has changed a lot over ten years. I think if you were to look at like one of my very first images and then today, there are some constants but there's a little more contrast they're a little brighter there is that more of like that film feel which is hard to explain but i think they're they're softer around the edges mm-hmm. and they have that natural grain in them more i shoot a little differently i use different lenses now which also help contribute to the the final product
0: have you ever done that done a side-by-side comparison
1: i haven't tilt? although my first wedding that i ever photographed that i like got paid for myself mm-hmm. The couple actually still, I work with them every year and do their family photos, which has been so fun to like see their cat. We just saw them last week again, which is amazing. Um, And they, they really, I'm like, you guys have a portfolio of my work from every year from 10 years ago to today. Like you can really see. So if anybody knows, they know. Like (laughs) you
0: can tell exactly what Lynn's done and how she's changed. Exactly. Um, So now when you you're in obviously upstate New York, but Boston, Cape Cod and Newport, and I'm assuming that's Rhode Island. Yes. Newport, Rhode Island. So um, are you still traveling back and forth and in, in covering both areas? Yes.
1: Yes. So we moved in the middle of the pandemic. We moved mm-hmm. in June of 2020 when Scott got his job at SUNY Plattsburgh and, um, it was a great time to get out of the city too, actually, but that's what took us up here. And so between the pandemic hitting pause for a while, and then just the way that referrals and kind of building a client base and even building like search engine optimization on google and things like that happen it's a slow growth process to break into a new area in a lot of ways and it's slower because it was harder to network like nobody wanted to talk to you in person Mm -hmm. zoom calls were like introductory zoom calls were really hard at the start too because people were exhausted from zoom um so and and still like events weren't happening venues were closed things like that so it has been a slow transition and Last year I had, I did 21 weddings last year, and um, one was in the Catskills, and then all the rest were back in Boston, Cape Cod, and Newport. So it was a lot of back and forth. And this year is very similar. I cut it down a little bit. I had 15 for the year this year, and I'm in the middle of the season now, but still one in the Catskills, and then... 14 in Boston, Cape Cod, Cod, and Newport, pretty much. So pretty much
0: every weekend you're gone.
1: Yeah, it's it's a busy summer. Mm -hmm. Um, June, July, I have one this weekend that we're recording here. And then September is just like absolutely wild. And usually it'll go through October. But I actually end in September this year.
0: Do you find that fall weddings are becoming more popular?
1: Yeah, I think spring, honestly... The six months, like May to October, is definitely the height of the season. Mm -hmm. June and September tend to be the most popular
0: months Hmm. that I've found. Um, Have you done many uh, winter weddings?
1: Only a couple. I actually had one in Lake Placid this past winter. Oh, that must have been awesome. It was very cool, although I am not a fan of the cold, like... At all. And I had one of those, uh, you know, like body warmers that you wear to like ski. Oh, yeah. Attached to like my stomach for the day. I had like the hand warmers, the feet warmers. I was rocking all of the warmers. Uh, It was 17 degrees. They got married outside. They were committed. They did it. And we did all their portraits outside and family portraits and everything. So it was...
0: It's time outside. I yeah. feel bad
1: for them. I mean, I'm in my parka basically, and I have.
0: And I'm assuming they're just in suits and dresses. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe she have like a shawl or something. Yeah, like I mean, shawl. the good
1: thing is they're in floor length gowns. So all the girls had on their big snow boots, which I was like, brilliant. Yeah, you guys are brilliant. We're going out on the yeah. frozen lake on the exists, ice. Yeah. So
0: um, yeah, because like, winter, I, I would think that winter would. I mean, every season's like has its own charm, but like winter's got a cool contrast because like if, especially if there's actual snow. Um, I don't know if you, I'm sure you can edit snow in if you needed to, but really it's, uh, like, I think if you have like a fresh snow, snow, and then like on the trees and have a photo there, it's like one of the prettiest times after, like if you go outside after a snowstorm, I don't think there's a better look to just like everything than with just a little bit of snow everywhere.
1: Oh, it's so gorgeous. And this area is so beautiful up here with, with the snow and the snow stays. I mean, that's a big difference from Boston Cape (laughs) Cape Cod, like the coastal places we would get snow and then it warms up again from the ocean. And so it's gone like a day later. Yeah. You literally have to be like, "You ready? Do you want to go out right now? We're gonna go get photos immediately." <laughs> um, and we, you, you get to like keep it here and actually play in it. It's really beautiful around here in winter. It's just cold. It, well, <laughs> it's like I
0: say, when you see, yeah, you see someone come from out and uh, out of town and be like, "Yeah, it's awesome that the snow stays around," and then people here are like, "God, I hate the snow. I got to shovel again." So it's like, but but yeah, I.
1: Well, if it was May, I might have a different story for you and be like, oh my oh, gosh, I just want May, to see yeah. my lawn. But. but yeah, I was going to
0: say it's, uh, I, I think winter's very pretty. It's like the, yeah. the season that's not is when it like starts to melt and you get into that like late, like the late winter and everything's frozen over and you have the slush that's just been frozen over yeah. and it's just get, there's a, there's an ugly period of the, of the winter, but the beginning part's gorgeous, especially December yes. and the January, it's such a pretty time. Um, so how, first off, how do you. Manage going back and because obviously it's your full-time job so like but it's Mm -hmm. traveling back and forth like logistics is that how does that go or are these pretty much like venues that you you know kind of like the back of your hand so it's kind of like easy you know what to do where the the best spots are
1: so the travel itself has been the trickiest thing I guess just because it's a long enough drive that I'm not going down and like photographing a wedding on the same day so you Mm -hmm. have to plan for a day in advance and then you're staying a day after to do the drive back and I also do include in my collections for couples and engagement mm-hmm. sessions, So I'm usually adding those on before or after as well. So it's just, it can be tricky scheduling. And then um, I'm lucky though that the driving itself, like once I get down there, I have both my parents are still in the area. Um, my oh, nice. mother-in-law's in the area. And then we have friends in the city who have a spare room and let me stay, which is great. So it's a great excuse to stay connected to everyone yeah. back in, in, Those areas, Um, and I don't then have to pass on major travel fees to my couples because I actually have a place to stay, so it's not too bad.
0: Um, I was gonna say, are you able to batch a lot of the stuff? Like, if you're going out for like an engagement shoot, can you somehow couple that with an actual wedding shoot? Yeah. And I've I mean, been really lucky.
1: Happens. Yep. Yep. I've been really lucky that my couples have been pretty understanding. So I'm really upfront about where I'm based and how I do go back often though. And it's just that, you know, for an engagement session, there's a lot of flexibility, but I try not to go down just for an engagement session. Mm-hmm. Cause I would be driving for like three times the amount of time we'd actually be taking any photos together. Yeah. And unless there's other like family things planned. So I'm always trying to tack those portrait, smaller portrait sessions on to a weekend where I'm already going to be there for something else. And they, there are enough of them still that they've been able to work that out.
0: How, uh, cause we talked, we touched talk, talk base on editing. Uh, but like, I just know editing is the bulk of the time. Yeah. And I had a, a, a friend, um, I don't know how much she does it anymore, but she used to do photography quite a bit. Um, you know, probably almost a decade ago. And we used to have discussions about it. She was one of my best friends and we had a lot of discussions on it. It was like, Hey, if you have, you know, how much time do you have and how much time do you edit? And basically I was saying like, is it worth it to edit or is it worth it? Like, can you outsource the editing? Obviously I know that's not like taking the photo and editing the photo. Like, you know what you want to convey cause it's you. But I'm saying in that sense, it's like, Hey, if it takes you say four hours to film or edit a wedding or not edit, shoot a wedding. I'm just shooting it's probably more, but it takes you three X that to edit the wedding. I said, wouldn't it make more sense to just hire it out and try to just do more weddings and fill that pipeline? Now, obviously, I don't know the I don't know the margins and stuff of wedding, but um, I just know editing is such a time consuming thing. And obviously you said yeah. you've gotten quicker, but when do you find time to edit amongst everything else? Um, and we'll definitely dive into the co-working, but now that that's coming on board and you have photography, like, are you very good time managing wise with that? Or is that, like you said, or you just got super efficient with the editing?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good question. Cause it is, it is so much of the time of what you spend right after the wedding. And I, they used to take me probably like a four full 40 hours. It would take me a very long time to edit. And usually I'm there for eight hours. It's usually mm-hmm. eight or 10 on the day, but you also have a second photographer most of the time with you. So you're going through literally thousands, thousands of photos. I would usually five to 6,000 that you have to call down. Right. And you're just choosing. I usually deliver around a hundred per hour, like roughly of coverage. So you're getting rid of a lot of like doubles and triples and you're just choosing the best of a single scenario, but there's a lot of of perspectives and like two or three of us on site. Cause I, I use an assistant who is like a mentee as well. So there's three cameras a lot of the times. Um, so yeah, it just, it takes, it does take a long time and there's, I have been working with editors for years now, honestly, it's, it's a been worth it for me because I like the wedding more when I'm done. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. If you spend that long on it, you I, you just like get tired of it. Your eyes get tired too. And so with the AI that I use now, I, I really like it because it's much faster. Mm-hmm. It's automatic, right? It's an algorithm that they're basically using to edit in the way that you normally edit. Mm-hmm. And just to like nerd out about it a little bit, like you upload Lightroom galleries of edited images and they build a unique profile for how I edit. Mm -hmm. And then they apply that to the photos individually, but it'll, it can do a thousand photos in 30 minutes. Like it's so much faster than having to wait for any human editor, which I totally understand, but takes like five to seven days for a turnaround or something like that. This is instantaneous Mm -hmm. that I've never worked with any human or AI or any kind of editing service that has been perfect though. So I always go back and I'm still touching every single photo that gets delivered to tweak it, to make it like perfect to maybe do some more detailed work on like removing a trash can or, you know, those kinds of things.
0: Well, I think um, like technology and that's something we've dove into and I'm actually diving into even more now because like, I just look at it as efficiency because my my main thing is like I have three really young kids so like that takes a ton of time and energy so it's like okay I can't keep doing things the way I was doing I got to be smarter and um, I find like I use the idea of Lightroom with the auto editing like I'll be honest me hitting auto and taking one second to hit it and instantly goes like that is not far off from probably where I want it and to be honest like I said I'm color blind there's a good chance that that those color schemes and saturation and everything else look much better than what I was gonna do. And I know I'm not, and I think this goes for anybody, like you said with AI, it there is a certain level of of the computer system that is just smarter than humans because they program the algorithm that just clicking on it, if it's gonna save you 90% of your time, save 90% of your time. And that's what I was gonna ask you is on editing, I try, I try to go with the mindset that good enough is good enough. And what I mean by that is if I can get it up to say 80 or 90%. I can get up to 80-90% in a very short period of time. And what I find is that if I'm trying to get it from 90 to 95 or 95 to 99, I agonize for way too long, say hours, but
1: it way can too feel long. Like that, for yeah, sure. way too
0: long of being like, do I like their face like here or here? Here or here? Nobody knows the difference. And we know it and then a part of the time I'm like, Gail, why just stop? Just pick one. Just delete that one take this one. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, it, the perfect. I always talk about perfection is subjective. Like my idea of perfect and your idea of perfect is completely different, and hundred people have a hundred different versions of it. That I find, if you go to where good enough is good enough, and I'm not saying like cut corners, but I'm saying you you, it's good. Like if you do anything more, you're agonizing for a disproportionate amount of time for a disproportionate outcome because it's not going to make that much of a difference. It, do you share that same sentiment or you're like, no, no, I'm one of those people that I will get to that 99%, but it's your night. It's not my 99% or even the, uh, the clients. It's your 99%. Like, do you fight that battle or am I the only crazy one that does?
1: I definitely, no, I definitely fight that battle. I think all artists fight that battle in some way. And I'm, I am so guilty of it too. I mean, I'll show something to my husband and I'll be like this one or, or this in terms of like a a color difference. I'm like, what do you, which color, like which tone do you like better? And he's like, they look exactly the same one. Like they look exactly the same. I have no idea what you're talking about, but your eye is trained to see a subtle shift in tonality or contrast or whatever the thing is. And so, that's a point where you have to i have to like walk away. What's worked really well for me this summer is for just productivity and not getting caught up in that quite so much. Although I really do try to get to that like I wanted at 99 or 100. It's it's what I do as a profession. It's like pretty important that they're you know mm-hmm. up to that standard. Um is work for 2 hours and then step away and go even if it's just for 10 minutes like do something else, take a break, take a walk, grab a drink of water, get lunch, something. But every two hours I have to get up and like take at least 10 minutes away. And it just allows your eyes to reset a little bit too. Cause what you get exhausted and I'll look back at something the next day and be like, what was I doing? It's almost sloppy
0: just cause you're tired. Yeah. Out.
1: You're just like, that does not look, that does not actually match like the aesthetic I was going for. That doesn't look like what I thought it was looking like. And light changes in the room that you edit in over the course of a day. Yeah. And so you have to kind of be aware of that too. So taking those breaks has been helpful. Plus I, find just like attention to detail and wanting to be done is not a good reason to do it that way happens more like past that two hour mark so if I can like hit the refresh button every couple hours I'm much more consistent and have a higher quality
0: well I think that and and I talked about just like your it's it's a mental grind to edit, and I don't mm-hmm. think people think that. Like, oh, they're just playing around with stuff. I'm like, if you're focused, which you are when you're editing, like you're, I mean, you're focused on stuff that people are not even going to notice. Like, it, like yep. you said with your husband, he's not going to know the different, know the difference. But you're agonizing over should that shadow be darker? Contrast should be a little bit lighter? Should it fade in? Like color grading, all this stuff. But your brain is going like rapid fire to keep up with your eyes and your mind, and that's like I said it your, isn't it your like mind burns like 20% of your calories in a day? Like, of, so if you're just sitting there thinking, like, that's why I think they say like chess players like can burn in a tournament day, like four to 5,000 calories because they're constantly thinking.
1: Oh, that's wild. I yeah. Not because your brain,
0: your brain uses a lot of calories. So people think, yeah. and that's, I mean, I, I, in my job, there's t- some days I come home and I'm like, I might've only been working for four to five hours on something, but it's so deep in, like into it. Then I get done and I'm just shot. I'm like, I i can't do anything more today. I'm like, I only work three to five hours. But it's such a high intense focus. Um, do you do you find that that can be, like you said, two hours. But I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's days that you're editing when you get done and you're just like, I'm just, I'm done. Like oh, yeah. the rest of my day, I'm just sitting down watching like junk TV and I'm just hanging out watching Netflix or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a really busy time right now. So I have not had the luxury <laughs> to do that. But I, again, I transition between tasks to... I try to chunk tasks in at least 2 hours especially for editing. You get in kind of a rhythm too, so that for me is a real sweet spot. If if I have 30 minutes, I'm probably not going to try and edit something from a wedding because mm-hmm. I it's like barely enough time to like get into a flow before you have to like transition into a new task again. Um but definitely yeah, that deep work is it can be really exhausting and the focus it takes to do that, it it's not just on your eyes that it is tiring, it, it just makes you physically exhausted too and there are times where you just come down. And it's like, I am just so done. Like, I don't even care what we put on the TV. Just.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel so like we said like uh COVID, I felt like that was a COVID. I was, I was working in a day part, part of what I normally would work, but I was just like staring at a computer, talking to people and then you're home. So you're kind of like dealing with the kids that by like four o'clock, I was like, sometimes even like a little bit earlier, I was like, I'm done. Like I'm done. Let's go take a, go for a walk. Let's just chill. Like, I just don't want to do anything where I have to think. and. Which is kind of nice. I'm like, I kind of like this. I go in and just blast out like a lot of, like I said, deep, deep work, and just check the box and be like, I, I basically did everything I needed to do, but in a very condensed amount of time, and now I can just relax. So it's it's yeah. uh, it's it's challenging, but how Lake City co working? Give us the kind of the background on that. How, how, how is this almost a thing right now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, we were in Boston for a while. We were in Boston for eight years while Scott was doing his PhD in English and I was working on my business there and Boston has a number of coworking spaces. At least it did before the pandemic. I know some of the coworking places didn't, didn't necessarily make it through the pandemic because they're kind of premised on mm-hmm. showing up together. Yep. Um, but there are, there were a lot of them there and they were a great place for me to go and meet with peers, other photographers, other people in the wedding industry, get out of the house, a, you know, a day, a week or so for myself, cause I have obviously the home office and I would do my editing there. But when I didn't feel like I needed to be editing at my home desk, it was like so nice to, to get out, to talk to other humans. Cause mm. Scott was always, you know, at school. So being able to do that and build a community of like-minded people as well as just stay productive in a different way by like changing your pace and that kind of thing. Um so I really enjoyed them when I was there and there were a bunch of them. Um and basically it's just a shared office space. It's a membership-based shared office space. So you get the benefits of an office with Wi-Fi and like the modern furniture and like drip coffee and a printer and like all those things, meeting rooms and such. Um, but you're only paying for like a flexible plan that allows you to use it for the time you need as opposed to committing to like a monthly full rent and utilities and having to c- carry the cost for all those things.
0: So um, so one thing, Plattsburgh does not have this currently that not, I know of. Not yet, but it's coming yeah, soon. Yes, so I would <laughs> say not yet. So I mean, it, it, and one of the things I really... I always find that's good as we, you know, kind of joke about like imports coming to the area. Cause as you know, it's a small town, it's like pretty tight knit, but I find that the benefit of having people come to the area, whether they're from bigger cities or just um, it doesn't even have to be a major city. It could just be something a little bit bigger, like um, that they bring ideas and, you know, we kind of talked about in human history, like your, your history buff, it's like over time ideas, hopefully make things better. And as I feel like that's people coming to the area are bringing like kind of different blends of what they had in their community and like well, why don't you guys don't have this but this works really well five hours from here why don't i just put it in the you we'll know, put it in the location i'm at now um i think co-working which i know some places that have it but there's nothing around here makes total sense you as a small business person me we have a little bit more of a home base but there was plenty of times i worked out of my house for a few years and then i worked down basically in a one room little we call it the incubator but the one mm-hmm. little room down there um for a couple years too and and it's amazing like I said just seeing people but having your own just little space to work out of it's it's so uh it's so needed and I think that some people especially personally like d- this day and age you know with the internet and, and the, the connectivity and that you can do so much at home through a computer and your fingertips that you'd miss that human interaction but you also don't need all the bells and whistles of a big place if you're kind of a solo entrepreneur like you said so the co-work space for the one in Boston did you that was something you utilized for a while when you were getting started or throughout the process or?
1: Yeah, I would, I would actually do usually like a day pass kind of a thing too, and had friends who were members at some places. So I got to check out a few different ones while I was there and just use them to mix up your, you know, my, my work scene, um, a little bit and kind of keep it fresh.
0: So this is a blend of all the best, the best that you saw. That's the
1: hope. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the community aspect is really important to me too. And I was able to meet a community of friends and coworkers and things through, um, you know, an organization like this and having a space to meet up. And, uh, it's been hard here without kids. So we don't have children. And I feel like play dates and school things and classes and like yeah. those are really natural um, ways to meet new people in a new area and so we haven't had that and so I'm eager to join the community more too mm-hmm. and get to know more people and so I've been going to the chamber events yeah. obviously but I'm excited for this to be a deeper way to contribute positively in the community and become more local so that maybe I'm going back to Boston and Cape Cod less for weddings in a few years and can, can build up like more of a local community and business here.
0: So for people that don't know, where's this going to be located?
1: So it's at 26 city hall place, right next to chapter one coffee and tea in downtown Plattsburgh.
0: Which was the old, was it 106.3? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The
1: old radio station. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's between or the th-
1: current radio station, just an old place where the radio station used to be. Yes. <laughs>
0: it's the old, old spot. So basically, yeah, between city well, and then, you know, irises were delicious to be like right yes. in that little corridor. So, um, kind of explain the setup of what a co-work space is.
1: Yeah. So it's going to have basically a main a couple main open spaces that'll have um, a mix of furniture for working. So you kind of get to choose. I know when I work from home, I am at my desk a lot, but I also really like to mix up sometimes and just like move downstairs and then work on the couch if no one else is around Mm -hmm. because it's just comfy and it changes changes the pace so we have some lounge style furniture and actually like a little lounge section with couch and comfy chairs that are going to be throughout and then there's also some more traditional like long style work tables with chairs and then bistro tables that'll have you know just an independent person or two can work there And then there's also private meeting rooms. So we have three in the works, Um, one that'll be three different sizes, small, medium, large. So you can meet in person or reserve it as a member. You can sign up and reserve one of these rooms for bringing guests in and having an in-person meeting or um, literally like up to eight people in the conference room. Or do like your Zoom calls if you still, people are still working remotely and are at home more than ever before, but are looking for a place to, a quiet place to take a call or, you know, mixing things up a little bit can come in and do those calls or client meetings in person or remotely at the space.
0: So what is, um, we talk about like membership, like what's a membership entail?
1: Yeah, so I actually am planning right now for three different levels because one of the things I loved about it, the idea of it is that it's flexible. So you can join just for a five-pack, basically, of days a month, if that's all you want. Like that maybe, I would probably do like a 10-pack myself. That's the next level. So just 10 days a month. And thinking about people working, you know, remotely or small business owners who are home alone, like you, you might have that home office or you might have to spend some time home with kids you know, things like that. But there are a day or two a week where you might stack meetings or have some work that you want to be able to make sure you have a quiet space for. And so that gives you the opportunity to just come in any five days out of the month that you want or any 10 days out of the month that you want. And then the highest level of commitment is for like an all access pass, which is we're going to be open basically business hours Monday to Friday with a late evening to seven on Wednesdays. So All Access Pass says you can come in every single day of the month if you want. Like this can become your new permanent office, but you're still not going to be paying for the utilities and the all of those things separately. You're not committed to paying rent. You're not getting into an annual like internet, contract. All it's, it's all printing. provided, yep. exactly, in this one membership fee. Um, and they all come with basically hourly meeting room credits as well. So you can use those to, to sign up and book those meeting rooms as a member.
0: So, um, and again, I'm, I'm just looking at like, like the schedule. So, yeah. um, you said like eight to five, most days, eight to seven on Wednesdays. So is this something that is it, is it kind of like a, like, say you go to a gym and you have someone like at least at the front desk, welcoming people in, is there someone like on staff or is this, cause I know you said talking about, you know, keyless entry and people can kind of just come in and, and go as they please. Is this something that is truly like, Hey, you know just turn the lights on when you're, or turn the lights off as you're walking out kind of deal if you're the last one, or is there someone um, stationed there all day or how does that work?
1: So I will be in the space a lot, but I am the only employee currently okay. and it is meant to be more of an automated and independent experience for people mm-hmm. where you're independently working together in a space. Right. And yeah. so it's going to bring in and attract a bunch of people is my hope. Um, and, but it, you have that ultimate flexibility uh, to do that. I'm hoping to be able to, you know, do some tours and spend a good amount of time working there myself so that if people have questions, and of course, my email is there, you can always call. So there's lots of like phone a friend, get help if you need it. Mm-hmm. But this, the onboarding process will be like through an electronic system, you'll get a code for entry, you'll have all of those things so that you really just can come in and work whenever you want. Um, and not necessarily have a manned like staff person there all the time. Um, so there's a focus on building that community aspect and that's why we're starting just with the monthly memberships. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like once you commit at least to a month, you can cancel after the end of the month if you, it's not for you, but there's a commitment to one, like come and actually use the space, yeah. right? Cause you're, you're committing to that month. And then also, to care for it and to be a good citizen of the space and we'll have I'm still working up you know like the community guidelines and some of those things but it's basically just be a good citizen like wash your coffee cup if you use it and you know don't leave dirty dishes in the call those things
0: just be normal like that's like always like (laughs) just be normal don't just don't be weird (laughs) Um, so so one of one of the things that Like, I think it would be cool. And I think this is obviously a bonus is you have down like after hour networking events, discounted admissions to workshops. So I'm assuming you're planning some type of, you know, networking um, and then workshops. Is that, is that just photography? Is that other, you know, other say artists or or specialists can come in and do their own little thing?
1: The workshops I'm really excited about and are hoping going to run the gamut. If anyone is interested in hosting one, first of all, please reach out. And I actually was just talking to somebody today, we were talking about more uh, like a series on business 101 and various things that you might, you know, pay a consultant for. But if you don't have that as a startup or a small business, like what are some aspects of running your business and wearing all the different hats that we can bring people in for So there's a big demand for things, for example, like how to use social media effectively to market. Mm -hmm. And even within that, I think we would have to do different ones because Instagram keeps changing. TikTok is on the scene now and I can't run that workshop. (laughs) Um, Like I just, you know, watch like a few cat videos on TikTok, (laughs) but, um, so bringing other people in for some of those things or talking about inclusivity in the workplace and how to do that. Um, I'm even thinking about, you know, uh, having a florist come in and do a, like create your own, how to create a centerpiece or a bouquet or something. So some artistic ones, as well as business oriented ones that
0: run the gamut. I was going to say, I think if you, uh, Now I'm guessing majority of the people that would probably be using this are going to be some type of entrepreneurial business. Like, I mean, I guess somebody could, if they worked at an office space, just change up the scenery and say, they're working in my office. I want to come here today. But, um, I'm guessing primarily it's, it's you and I, independent contractors or, or business owners that just want to go do their own thing.
1: And remote workers. I think that is a big market from the pandemic, but I don't know that everyone has returned to remote work. Uh, I'm sorry. In-person work. Mm -hmm and I think that a lot of bigger companies are actually kind of their employees have moved all over the country now because of the pandemic or because of like just life allowing them to and so they're not returning in person and so a lot more people than ever before are working from home who might work for a big company and actually some employers are actually paying for their employees to have a part-time membership at a space like this so if you are a remote worker, it's something to ask your boss about. Or maybe tra- about like even
0: traveling if someone's in yeah. for a few days.
1: Yeah, I spoke with somebody at one of the chamber events who's based mm, an hour or two south but comes up twice a month or something like that or a few, a few times a month or maybe it's every Friday or whatever it is and needs a place to meet with clients and have a home yeah. base. And so it's a great opportunity to do that at that lowest membership level that will provide that access. I
0: was going to say, you see a lot of that, especially salespeople, if they're from out of the area yes. and have a niche or they're a regional person. And it's like, I think this would be, this would be clutch for that. Um, is there, is there a net, is there a network of co working spaces? Like I always look like there's a network of like wineries and there's a network of yeah. like, you know, like follow the wine trail. Is there like a follow the co work space trail? Do, is there, do you find it that community or have you made any connections or hope to make connections with maybe neighboring co-work spaces?
1: I would love to. And I know that there were a few in, there's several in Burlington and there's one in Potsdam, I believe. And then one in Saratoga Springs that I know of.
0: Is there any Lake Placid?
1: I'm not sure actually. I feel like there may have been, but I don't know what their current status is. Okay. So there are like some within an hour plus of the area that it would be cool to do, you know, some sort of like a, pass where you can kind of have access if you're in the area and some of the bigger places one of the national or international brands is we work um oh yeah like a big one so yep. if you belong to them i'm pretty sure that you can get a discount to go into any of their spaces like no matter where you travel so we don't mm-hmm. have quite that kind of clout yeah but it would be cool to have something in the greater area um with some of these other independent ones we
0: even like like you said you traveled around in boston it's just like picking up best practices like i've like I have friends in real estate all around the country. So like you're constantly talking to people and saying like, what are you doing? Yes. Like what's working in a bigger area that maybe I can bring back to our area. And, and you're just trying to like sharpen, like sharpen the, uh, the sword of, of your industry. So um, now regarding again, back to workshops is that, I mean, is this something that you would encourage people that are there to, like you said, bring stuff professional, whether it's professional development or artistic. Um, but it, it's typically like a sh- like I'm going to show you how to do something. For the most part.
1: Yeah. And maybe training kind of. Yeah. You know, I, I could see it being any number of things. I think probably training or an interactive thing. So I've actually run a workshop on how to take better pictures on your smartphone.
0: Yeah. That's not business necessarily. Right. That could be
1: anybody that could be a mom who wants to take better pictures of her kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some great tricks and things that like your phone does really powerful, cool stuff now, both with editing and how, you know, what settings you use and things like that. So that might be one that we would do for really just that would be open to, you know, they would all be open to anyone. So this is another way to reach out to the broader community and not just who are members uh, is the idea. But yeah, I think a lot of them would be trainings or.
0: Could you use it as like a gallery too? Like for portraits or different kind of works of art?
1: So yeah, I mean, especially if you wanted to do a show for, uh, you know, on a weekend and have people come through. The tricky thing, like chapter one has a lot of amazing art on the walls from local artists. I think that is not as natural a fit in a membership-based space because you only have, you have those same group of members. So it doesn't get as much public attention as anyone going in a coffee shop would. But to do a studio opening or something like that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, if you have someone that's going in and as an artist or, or yeah. even like a digital artist, you go, uh like I don't know much about the digital space. I know that this one guy sold his NFT space for like yeah. seventy million dollars. So like so but but he sits at a computer every day and edits these photos. So like that'd be yeah. a perfect spot. But I'm thinking like that could be something where someone could showcase their work they've been doing day after day after day, and you're like, Oh my god, I didn't know John was working on that, like incredible stuff. He just looks like he's in the corner, just like flipping, you know, just kind of around the computer so um i think when you start really looking even locally like there's so much talent and like underground talent that people don't really realize it's like right here um and i think if that stuff starts to get exposed and you start to like i think it gives people more belief that there's more going on than i think people give us credit for um and again you like you coming from a big city here like what was your initial thought coming to a small smaller area and so far you've been here for about two years now like what's that Have you, I mean, is this a place, obviously you're still here. Do you like the place? Do you, is it fit your vibe? Do you miss the big city? Like how's been the adjustment period?
1: Yeah, I'm. it was just a big question mark when we first moved, especially with COVID, it was hard to tell what it would really be like because the whole world was shut down. So you're a little bit of an outlier. This town is like really quiet. And that's just not true (laughs) at all. Now that we're seeing, you know, getting to know a few more people and seeing the spaces wake up again and you can actually be in public with people again, which is really nice. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's been a transition for sure. In some ways of just like, you can't order food past eight o'clock on, on like a Sunday night or, you know, things like that. So some of those things have been just different than the, the city accessibility for, you know, a million kinds of food at all hours and have things delivered to your door and whatever. But for the most part, like in meaningful ways, the community is really great. It's been nice to meet people. There are still very much elements of feeling like everyone else knows each other in the room and I don't know anyone. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Uh, Although being in the space and starting to, you know, gut it and renovate it and, and change it and just having that door open for a few days and being downtown people were stopping in and I kept telling Scott, I feel like I only know like eight people, but we've seen them all today. <laughs> so it's been really nice to start to feel like you're knowing a few more people and can just be part of the community that well, way.
0: I think that's gonna be a massive catalyst for, for you meeting people. Like even as yes. even it's a membership, but like most things around here, it starts out slow and it and you gotta think you're, you're taking a newish idea. I mean, in Boston, it's probably been around for 20, 30 years, but I'm saying like, you're taking a newer idea for our area and dropping it in. It's going to take some time for people to adjust, but I find that we're more connected than ever. So something coming from a city, I used to think that, again, I was following, this is like trends, but like in our business, you would find stuff that was happening in the city would take close to five years before it really became like a normal thing here and or maybe even longer depending. And now I'm finding that we're starting to see stuff happen like within a couple years because just the way everything's connected. So I'm guessing that this is going to be um like right now I mean I know you said you had like sign ups and stuff to get people in um you're opening up when's your when do you officially open cuz I know you're, I have your grand opening date which you So can September 2nd on. yeah that is the that first is, date that total. is the
1: goal for the and really that would be in the afternoon during the first Friday event Okay. So hopefully people are down there and enjoying all the other things that are happening on the first Friday and are going to be able to come through and take a tour of the space and explore it, whether you want to join or not, like just come and see what it is, what the space looks like, what it's all about. We'll do event rentals as well. So it may be something you might want to have your Mm -hmm. bridal shower, baby shower, or, you know, something like that into. Um, But that's, so that's the goal. We're really hustling to get everything done for September 2nd. But then really you just roll right into... I guess it's Monday is Labor Day that weekend, September yep. 5th. Um, but as a small business owner, that doesn't mean much to me. So we're we're going to be open that day. That's going to be our first full day of open work, common work, if you remember.
0: That's actually good. Our first full day of work is Labor Day. So yeah. that's, that's good. <laughs> it's um, That's it's, true. I that's a good, that's a good <laughs> thing. That's would be a good social media campaign right from the start. But um, do you have people already signed up to, to go there? Or is this something that's like it hasn't really been pushed out much to the public yet.
1: I just finalized the like launch specials and the pricing and got like the website and the, the tool up and running about two days ago. So okay. no signups yet, but I haven't actually told anybody about them really yet. I was going to say, uh, so sent, the distribution's starting yeah. like soon. Starting like now as this we is speak. It. This yes. is it. Yes.
0: If this was live, you'd be hearing it live, but this would be taped delayed by a couple hours. I'll have it out later, but exactly. yes, you'll, you'll, hear it, you'll hear it very soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing right now, because you, t- you were talking about um, some of the renovation aspects of what you're currently doing. And I was kind of joking. I'm like, it's starting to feel real now. But yes, um, yes. I mean, is this, it's like anything else. Like if you're putting on a play, you do all your practices. But when you start like putting on the costumes, you start doing your dress rehearsals, you're like, okay, it's kind of getting real. Um, how long has this whole thing been in the process? And at what stage of nervous, excited, scariness are you feeling right now in the, <laughs> whole, the whole climax of this thing?
1: I love that. This is something I literally have been thinking about since we moved in 2020 because I want that sense of community and I want to be a part of the community here. Mm-hmm. Uh it's that is always something I, you know, feel like it's almost the uh, achiever Enneagram three in me. like I want to be a part of it. I want to help contribute positively. I like want to do those things. Um, so it's something that I was thinking about just from not knowing like where else to go for that and being like, this is something that could be so cool in a local community too, just because you don't have the bigger city doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of people who could not, you know, use this. Um, so it's just been this little kernel of an idea since we moved. And then, In January of this year, a space not where I ended up, but on Margaret Street was vacant or was getting um, like opening up to turn over and it felt like it would be a great space. And so that's when I started to get serious about it. That did not work out, but uh, I think that is for the best. We're in this awesome location right next Mm -hmm. to the coffee shop and behind the coffee shop now and um, have some high visibility. And as a photographer, better natural light because there's no building across the street. It's just the park.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's a really nice little spot. So
1: that's great. And it has character with exposed brick and tin ceilings inside, like it's really cool in there. So uh, that all worked out for the best, but I got serious about it in January. I actually bought furniture it's been in my garage. Scott has been parking outside since February.
0: It's good you ordered it when you did. Right? There's some massive furniture delays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, it's wild. So there, that will be like the last thing will be uh, the building of all of the Wayfair furniture. Okay. <laughs> um, that, that's where a lot of it came from. They have free shipping. It's great. Been
0: there, that couch. Right?
1: right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so great. cute. It's great color. Yeah. Exactly. So that'll be the, one of the last things. but and originally I was hoping to get up and running by March. So pre-wedding season okay. have this all happening, right? Cause my season really started in May and that's just not the world had other things in mind. So, uh, you know, I was like, this is God's plan. We're not going to mess with it. He says, this is the timing. Then this is what, this is what we do. So here we are doing all the things in the middle of wedding season. Um, yeah. But-
0: I, I mean, yeah, I I think it'll be good though. Probably when you start to get your like, like I think you could be out of the season instead of trying to do both at the same time, which might actually have been chaotic because you're. Yeah, it's it's, just September is. You're be still wild. learning it. And August like you said, and September will yeah. be
1: wild, but then I get to like really come home, and stay and dedicate time. Yeah, and yeah. really
0: kind of fine tune and try to perfect yeah. that the way you need to. And um, no, I think that I think I think the whole thing's awesome. And what was the? If you, I mean, if you want to share, I don't know if this is. But you're talking about kind of the connecting back around the back. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. That yeah, we,
1: we have not gotten access just yet, but I should in time for opening. And basically, in the back of Chapter 1, there will be a door. It's been blocked off, and there's an apartment behind Chapter 1. And we're actually opening that door back up and putting in um, an access for like a second part of the co-working space. So it, we're converting that one bedroom apartment into further co-working. So the co-working space will have a full kitchen, mm-hmm. which is really nice, come and like store your lunch, be able to work all day and take a lunch break with some people, that kind of thing. And then the one the bedroom in there will actually be turned into a conference room. So that'll be the largest meet private meeting area like space so that you can actually have multiple guests come in, you know, for a meeting.
0: And Above above the space that's just residential, right? Apartments. Yes. Okay, so downstairs all all the commercials So, um, no, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's cool. I think just it's where the world is now, and it's going to continue to go that way. We're going to see less and less of like even, you know. I was thinking like, okay, more office space, but it's like we really at any one time only have three or four people here max, you know. And that's you kind of look at it it's like there's and there's times I just like to not even be here where I could just do my own thing. Like I love days I can just sit at home and I mean. Depending on the ki- on the kid situation, like mm-hmm. and how much I can focus, but sometimes it's just nice, like you said, roll out of bed and just work. But for people that do that all the time, like I think this is this is going to be a cool thing. I think the community aspect, um, I think, might be the biggest benefit. You know, we talk about like the main. I think. What are you talking about? Um, history at the start. And you said you could see everything, but you look at the underlying growth of like things that you see the the surface level, but then you kinda of realize like the journey behind the scenes that I feel like the co work space like on a surface level is like, oh, people work together, but on the bottom is like you start to get this little um like culture of I, I would say like minded individuals all doing their own thing in different ways. And one of the one of the things I really like I talk about like learning from other people with real estate, but like I like learning from people about marketing or about finance or about, you know, manufacturing or about, you know, whatever, whatever that an industry that's totally different, even photography, because there's parallels between so many industries that I think a place like this, where you're pulling in like photography and you're pulling in maybe someone that just is an artist and someone that is a traveling salesperson, they have all these different things. They start ch- chatting over lunch or having a coffee. And the next thing you know, you're starting to, um, I think just take it's kind of a, like a melting pot of ideas and I'll, you know, hopefully it ends up turning into something pretty powerful for each. Per, I mean, each person's going to get something out of it. You don't talk to somebody and ever not get something out of it, even yeah. if you're like that person's crazy, but you still get something out of it, you know? But I think, I think that's going to might actually be the bet, the biggest legacy of some, some kind of program like this is just like what you're doing beneath the surface level, where it's just that human connectivity idea sharing, you know, kind of just, Moving everybody up a notch because maybe like that person's really doing well and successful, and you learn from them, and then your business takes off.
1: Yeah, those connections and that idea of that like undercurrent of community that I think will organically build as we get people into the space mm-hmm. that's what I'm actually most excited about. And that's where like the heart of that is. Like I was saying, I didn't miss like just not having to work in my home office. I mean, sometimes I do want to get out of my home office, but. What I really missed when we first came here was like not knowing anyone and having no way to figure out how to tap into the community here because, and that was more COVID related than anything else, I think in a lot of ways. But as an independent small business owner, there is that unique thing of how do you meet other people besides having to do that really intentional, which I did like a lot of, hey, you want to get together for coffee or have a Zoom call or get to know you. There's a really natural ease in, just being able to strike up a conversation briefly with a person who you're sitting next to who works in a different thing than, than you do, but you happen to be sharing a space together. So I love that idea of the connection and I'm, I'm hopeful for that. I mean, the statistics, and of course I can't quote any of them to you right now, but they're really interesting on as connected as we are through technology, the more people who have gone remote and who really love being able to work remotely or work from home, there are also like rates of loneliness have gone up like never before rates of feeling um more stress because they're not ever separated from work like that has gone up like never before how to put in instill boundaries um and figure out like work-life balance is one of those like impossible unicorn things Mm -hmm. that we really shouldn't actually tout necessarily but that idea that You're always pulled in different directions when you're at home. It can be easy to get distracted or to lose motivation and to just not talk to anyone else all day. Or you're like juggling, you know, competing tasks all day. And so the statistics around co-working are just wild to see when you pull the people who are actually utilizing these spaces, their levels of happiness go up, their levels of loneliness go down, their sense of community and connectivity with other people goes up. Um, something like, I think 69% of people who use them were reporting what you were kind of saying that they had learned a new skill, um, from members of their coworking space. Like so cool. The benefits that you can actually see from people who use it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, like you said, if you have to me, the more, the more people you have that are of different, um, you know, just different industries. I just think that you're bringing different ideas, but you're I mean, you just talk to someone that has a different course, different background, different experience, can connect the dots differently, Mm -hmm. see something from a different light. Like you, we talked about it. You're you're editing a photo and you tell your husband, what's the difference? He's like, I don't know. Where you've been staring at that for, you have the trained eye you've been staring at for eight hours. So it's literally like you can see every small shade difference. But then sometimes we get so lost in like the weeds of things. And I'm guilty of this too. I'll be so deep into something and then I'll talk to somebody and be like, what do you think? And they'd be like, yeah, I want you to do that. I'm like, how did I not see that obvious <laughs> answer? Cause your head's buried so much or in the dirt or the weeds. And I think sometimes just getting a second opinion or, um, an, a perspective of somebody that's not in your business. Um, like I can sit there and be like, I think you should do this in your photography business. And that might be an aha moment or relative. You say, Hey Galen, your real estate business, you should try this. I'm like, wow, I never not even thought about that, but I'm doing it all day long. Like how did I never think of that? And I think that just having that, um, we talk about those parallels. We talk about those interconnective the industries, how there's a lot of things that are connected within the industry that are completely different, but themes are, are the same. And that like, if you can draw a theme from your business and that could tip it into my business and that would change the course of something. But I'm like, how'd you learn? I'm like, I heard, learned from this lady who does photography. Like, but it was such a cool idea that yeah. they had some legs. And I think that's where innovation happens. And that's where... Um, and who knows half these people might go into business together with, you know, with each other. Cause then it just like turns into like, Hey, I like what I'm doing, but I don't like traveling for sales, but I really think what you're doing is awesome and you're really growing. Can I double down on this with you? And you might end up seeing some cool uh, little startups happening out of there and just or little independent things that are like, Hey, we're. I was by myself and now two people that were there that worked next to me every day on the couch are now we're all business partners. And that, that could be cool. Like,
1: right. Yeah. I think like there's the catalyst for all this, a lot of possibility for that. And a few of the things that I'm planning on is just to have kind of like a member feature physical in the space so that you can actually see who other members are. Cause I want to oh, find those ways, like right? A just directory like directory almost. Yeah, yeah. And almost just with like a little photo. So that's one of the things oh, yeah. I'm a photographer Yeah. So part of your membership benefit would be getting an updated headshot. I'm planning on just hosting a sign-up time like once a month for us to get, you know, members can get their updated headshot for as part of their membership. Because why not? Because I am a photographer and I can. So let's offer that to people as a added value, right? We all need updated headshots.
0: Do you know, um, he was a film guy on YouTube, but Casey Neistat. Have you ever heard of him? No, he's he's incredible. He's one of my favorite. He's, he's goofy and he does all, he used to do a daily vlog. And, and I mean, this, this, this guy is an extremely talented, um, video guy, but in his office, which was really quirky and he had, and that's kind of how I kind of started to go with the open shelves. I I saw it. Well, he was one of my inspirations for it. I'm like, I kind of like it. Like, it's just very, like not super organized, but organized. And it was kind of my vibe, but he had a wall in his office, and his office is like when, you remember the book I Spy, you know, when you like open up the oh, yeah. yeah the book and yeah. like I Spy like a seashell and you're like looking at all these trinkets and trying to find a seashell. That's kind of like his office, and on one wall he had um, the old uh, Polaroid photos, mm-hmm. and if you were a guest, like if you came in, he would take a photo of you, you know, shake it out, and then he would yep. hang it on a clothesline, and he had this massive wall um in his office of all the people that had visited so if someone just visited his office he would take a photo sign their name or they would write their name in the bottom and he would just add it so that's almost a cool idea like that's hey so cool. galen yeah. hey lynn hey mike tom sarah but you get all these photos and then it kind of ends up being this collage of people and then it might even be a, just a traveling person that came in you know in may of 2023 and you never saw him again but you're like oh remember scott he used to be from you know boston and came up and i think it would be a kind of a cool. uh timeline or almost like a lineage of the, of the whole space. But I think it'd be cool. Just like, well, I mean, like you said, a directory of like, because then it's easier to meet people. Like,
1: That's what I'm saying. You like, can put a face to a name without having to ask. You're not asking members to wear, we would never ask people to wear like wear a name tag yeah. to just show up and work. So, but also, it's really nice for some people who are a little more shy to be able to break the ice. By at least you can just be like, "Oh yeah, I saw your photo. I know your name is Galen. Like, how do you know?" Or whatever. even having
0: like little questionnaires and be like, "What's your like? What's your favorite hobby? Like, I like reading. And like, I my right. favorite vacation spot. And then you have a talking point. Be like, oh my god, you went to Ireland. I went to Ireland. Like, yeah, find
1: let's... those connections so and it's you can almost... start to build that. We well, talk about networking. And it's like, yeah. hey,
0: this is gonna be a very passive networking. If you want to do it, great. But someone will walk up and be like, oh, you like golf? I like golf. Right. And next thing you want to play golf. And then you have that relationship. So I, I think that's really cool. The, I guess my, my, what, what are you most nervous about or what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge with opening this up? Cause I think my answer is going to be different than yours, but I want to.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, I'm interested okay. to hear yours, yes. but for me, it's twofold. One is that this is, a. This is another one. We talked about me taking a leap to go full time into wedding photography. Mm-hmm. Like this is a leap. This is, I don't have financial backers. This is just me betting on myself again and investing a lot of time, effort, and money into getting this going. And so it's, a, it's scary. It's a financial risk to, to be starting a second business. So that's one. Okay. Um, and then two is I guess that I'm nervous about being viewed as an outsider trying to come in and change the place um as opposed to like somebody who wants to join the community because my heart behind it is to become part of the community and to contribute positively but i i don't know you you know like you've mentioned like locals we all feel like we know each other so uh i'm newly local so that's another fear i guess so
0: i'll go i'll go through my three so first off your first thing you said I think that's normal. And I think like being, being scared and nervous. That's I think, where I am right and, now
1: with and, all of the things happening, yeah, you know? And for... I think
0: some of that will, will get maybe not as intimidating once the wedding season's over and it slows down. Yeah. And then, cause I think, I think part of it, if I'm guessing is you are going to be gone on sometimes when people are there and you're traveling on a Friday when you're like, I need, you know, I need some, whether it's coverage or I need somebody to take the reins for the day. So that's to be expected. The second thing I don't think it's gonna be a problem at all. I don't think anybody in the community is gonna be like, oh my God, I hate Lynn. Like get this Boston chowder-loving <laughs> <Okay>, <good. laughs> like, person. Send her back to Cape Cod. Like that won't happen. I think, I, I honestly think that most people that have come into the area, a couple actually, you mentioned Adriana came on the podcast recently. Shay and Annie Brennan just came from Canada, which, you know, the international or international <laughs> import. So, uh, yeah. but they're all super good people and I think they've been really welcomed in the community, but I think it's because they've been trying to get engaged in the community as you have, you know, and I think... I think most people, like people that live around here have a very tight knit group of people here. But I think the other thing that people that live in this area, they love the area, but they love when other people that come from out of the area love the area because it's like, yeah, yeah. Like you're validating our love of the area. And like, if people just kept moving away and be like, why am I the only one still here? But it's not that. I think we've actually had more people coming to the area over recent years than we've ever have. And I think people, like you said, you start from a big city. And it's like, okay, maybe I do like a small town and I am more interconnected, but I don't have to yeah. live in the hustle and bustle and have all yeah. the noise pollution and all the craziness and traffic and, and, and commuting. So I, I don't think anybody's going to look down on you. I think it's actually going to be the exact opposite, which leads to what I think is actually going to be your biggest problem. And again, I think you're going to be too, you're starting out. So I don't think it's going to maybe be as much on your radar now, or you're too, way too modest to probably say it. But I think that the, an answer is you might actually grow too quickly. Which and I think the
1: oh wow that is definitely not what okay. I, what was on but my I, radar. <laughs> but I think,
0: but I think when you think about growing too quickly, because um what happened like I, that was something, and I know it sound sounded like a like I know I know certain businesses, and I had this a little bit when I was trying to do a few things a few years ago. Was that I think the problem is it's just going to grow too quickly, and I won't be at a stage in my life or a stage where I'm going to be able to maintain the growth. And I'm finding that right now in certain parts of my mm-hmm. life that I'm like I was so ambitious and go, go, go that I had this drastic rise up, which was fine. I personally, I could maintain it. But when you start adding three young kids and you start adding some other responsibilities, just with other things in life, um, I had to pump the brakes a little bit and just say like, it's what I want to do. Just not the time of my life. So I have to be fair and step back and say, you know what, I'm just going to do what I can right now. And then when things change, then I'll dive back into doing what I wanted to do or continue on. I think for you starting Something like this, and there's that nervous aspect. Are, are people going to like it? You, the benefit is you know, you know this is where things are going. People aren't going away from what you're trying to do. It's like anything else. You're, you're, you're turning something that we know is successful because you've had, you know, you've had a. Uh, what a focus group I guess of multiple ones that you've been at personally so you know it firsthand and you know it works and then again I'm telling you that things trickle from big cities and it takes people like you that come from a bigger city and bring the ideas and drop it into our area and make things you know a little bit better a little bit more modern a little more efficient and but I think what's going to happen is you're going to start showcasing this it's like anything else it's going to be slow but then you're going to say like man we had first sign up we had like eight people I'm like this is awesome like our original eight, and next thing you know it's like six months like well wow, we're up to 15 people and then it's like a year you're like well we have like 40 people that are doing this and i have three meeting rooms and i have a couple couches and we're having like 20 people coming in a day where i think you the the hard part when again you're just starting but it's like okay what's the plan you know in 18 months two years five years down the road where it's like maybe this co-work thing is a real big deal and now I get yeah. it like I can't be at a storefront on you know City Hall place now I have to be kind of almost like in an industrial type build, which is obviously a different vibe than you're I think you're probably going for but maybe a bigger space where we have 20 rooms and we have a massive room we have a cafeteria we have like and then you can to see a game room like you can see this whole thing evolve into like a really cool community center but it's geared around business I think you're more likely to go that route than fail I really do. I mean, obviously, like well, I said, you. you're very early in the process. And I, I mean, obviously there's, there's work that's involved in that, but someone that's done their own business for 10 years, you know, there, you know what, you know, you know what you're doing. It's not like you're, it's not like this is your first foray into it. And you're like, I'm like sunshine and rainbows and I'm going to do it. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's a grind and you know, it's hard, but I think once you start promoting it and getting it out there and getting in front of people and people start word of mouth is huge in our area and you're doing the right things. You're getting in, you go into events, you're meeting people, you're um, you know, you reached out here, you're going to, you know, reach out some other places and really promote yourself and get the word out there. And I think most people are going to look at that. and like, yeah, this is awesome. It's going to give a lot of opportunity for people that maybe don't have the, the space or the capacity or like, Hey, I work at my house, but I hate meeting people at Starbucks all the time because it's louder and whatever. It's like, I think you're giving some people a chance that they don't have currently in our area that are going forward that you, I mean, again, you know, it's going this direction. So it's not like you're going into an archaic system where you're like, I don't know, hopefully we can hang on for a few more years. It's just going to ramp up. So, and yeah, I think the yeah. space I'm, is there. So
1: I'm hopeful that people will see that too. I, I think one of the other challenges is just that it is new to this particular area. And a lot of people haven't necessarily heard about it. So it's a lot of education. So I appreciate the chance to come on and talk well, about it and share like what the vision is and how, it, how it works and how flexible it can be. And what some of those benefits are. Because I think the more that people hear about it. I hope that that sounds like an attractive thing.
0: Well, and I, I use it. For, I mean there's there's multiple places. That I would say would be. That w- what you're trying to do. Is, is piggybacked off that. Like I just take like the marketing space. Like we work with a marketing company. But there's other marketing companies that five, 10 years ago, these people didn't exist. And like, there's, I mean, there's a couple here and there, but you're starting to see more and more of them come out single person, a couple of small groups. Like we weren't seeing that back in the day. And you're seeing, um, different industries that we're going to start seeing more that weren't even a job, few like social media stuff. Like that wasn't a job 10 years ago. And now, I mean, that's for a lot of people, a very lucrative career and a very important career when you start to marketing. Um, I remember and again this is a totally different space but when the CrossFit gyms opened up here like I was one of the original people that helped lay mats in the you know the original space and that was about 10 years ago. There was barely anybody in there. What the heck's this thing? And now it's like that place is popping with people that are doing it in a very short amount of time. And this goes for a lot of different you know whether it's yoga, whether it's you know different fitness things like you know I doubt people were rushing to hot yoga the first week, but <laughs> then all of a sudden years later like like people are signing up for classes on it because it just takes time for people to you know, I don't want to call it a cult, but you got to have them drink a little bit of Kool-Aid and start really understanding like, oh, this yeah. actually is cool. And and I don't, and the intimidation factor, I think for most people, like I look at it as a business sense. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you're, uh, I won't I'm say all your prices, but I'm, I'm sure the prices are online. But like you look at that, it's like most of that stuff, if you go every single day, the workday and utilize it, that's a drop in the bucket for what you're offering, in my opinion. You know, in the sense of what you're getting, I mean, internet, no utilities. Like I said, you have no overhead. Like if all you're doing is renting some space out, but all, of the, I mean people that anybody that has overhead knows like business isn't just show up and make money. It's like show up, make money, be, you know, be, I don't want to say frugal, be thoughtful with your expenses. Yeah. And then you want to obviously make profit and stuff. And and I think for a lot of people, if I was looking at this, I'd be like that's a no brainer for a, a workspace that you can go to that you can actually get work done and have a level of uh, peace and quiet and focus. Like, Um, And that's why I think a lot of, we talk about like batching tasks or focusing or or switching tasks or multitasking. Like the problem is, and I'm I'm just as guilty as anyone, it's, it's losing focus when you know you have a short amount of time. And a lot of it's your environment. Like if you're with people are talking or people are interrupting you or people, you have kids at home or you're just like at your house. And I think one of the things I wrote or read from you guys was like, you know, cleaning your freezer out when you should be like on a Yeah, like All that. of a
1: sudden you're like, you know what I really need to do right now. <laughs> and people
0: are guilty of that, you know? And, it, and yeah. I, and I think it's funny. It's like you were never going to clean that anyways, but now because you're procrastinating what you should be doing now, you feel like, ah, now's the time to clean up the fruit, you know, the fruit bin and, and wash it out. So, um, I personally, I think that everything that you're offering and I think people should take advantage of it, especially if they're, I think in a space where, like you said, you need to meet clients, but I think you just need that time away and, and, getting out of like, there's times I don't like working in my office because I know every single nook and cranny of this office and where things are. So if I'm just working and I'm staring at a pile, I'm like, you know, I really should clean that pile up, you know, uh, actually shoot. I, I never got to that, you know, whatever that might be. Yep. That's why I try to keep my desk pretty clean. And it, I mean, there's a few things on my desk right now, but it's like stuff that I'm actually like working on. Um, cause I guess I have looked at, uh, squirrel syndrome like i'm like ah like god i got to get this done like no i don't need to look at that i don't need to read this like and i think if you go to a space like that and it's very just clean and you just bring what you need to work on your focus goes to the roof and you're way more productive
1: yeah you're absolutely i mean i think we all have those challenges especially with spaces that you're in every day and uh being able to kind of just move out for a day or two a week even and do that and and have that change of scenery where you're like nope I'm only bringing the thing I need to work on Um, you know I'm only gonna bring my laptop and do this one thing like I have clear tasks that I need to do while I'm here that kind of thing or you know stack meetings if, if you're only using it a few times Yeah, a a month and plan all of your like client facing calls or your company meetings. If you're a remote worker Mm. and you can kind of batch your meetings to happen on a couple days a week, like you could definitely just come in for one of those five or 10 day plans. You don't even need to have it all the time, but you can still make use of that as a way to get out to do those. And then you're also freeing up the rest of your week for that other deep work that you need to be doing.
0: Yeah. And one, like there's times I've thought about like, Going in like, in like Airbnb, of like going and renting like a cabin for like two nights with like yeah. no internet and just like show up and just like have a couple things I want to work on and like a book, but just like know that like nothing, you're just completely solitude for a couple of days. Um,
1: I've done that myself. I was going to say, I was going to ask I've you. have actually I, done that. So how does, yeah.
0: how, how was that experience? Like this was by yourself, like just off the grid.
1: Yep. Yep. I've done it once by myself and once where my husband came and it was like a little staycation version, but he knew I had like clear goals. I was actually overhauling my client experience. So looking at every touch point from when a couple reaches out to the delivery of the wedding day and what are all those things? What are all the emails? What are all the calls, the, the touch points that we have? And I was really wanted to kind of elevate that whole thing. And so I planned just one overnight. We stayed at the deer head in just in Elizabeth town. -Town, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Super cute. It was great. And basically I spent a deep dive, like six hours. I brought, I'm a real tactile person for stuff like that, like old school. So I had note cards with me. I can see your hands starting to form that. Like color coded note cards. Three by five. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And like spread stuff out on the floor and did this entire deep dive. And I was able to overhaul that entire thing in six hours. Whereas I could have tried for months at home, I swear. And Six something else minimum. would always come up. I would never do it. You get distracted. It was It's one of those, those things. I do goal setting. I try to do that outside of my house too, or like set aside a whole day where I'm just thinking about what goals do I want to meet, setting like quarterly benchmarks, like thinking through those kinds of things too. But like that deep work or quarterly check-ins, I could even see companies wanting to get out for a quarterly retreat or an annual retreat mm-hmm. and bring work like people into the space. Cause it doesn't just have to be alone, right? Like you could have a small to mid-sized company that wants to come in and use the space for that on a weekend too.
0: Well, I think when you look at a small business, like the hard, the hard thing, and again, people don't, small business is like an iceberg. Like you say, you can only see like 10% of the iceberg and like everything below it is really what makes a success, but it's really not shadowed or not projected out. And like, like you and I we have tasks we have to do. We have like daily tasks. But then it's like you have the scheduling and the managing. You have all the day-to-day stuff and then you have the client stuff. So there's stuff you're personally with people and then and you're, you know, we're both in like service industry, so you're you're yep. constantly I would say on call, but they're, you're easy to get a hold of if needed. So you have that, which is very uh it's a very variable part of your life because like I could just be sitting down right now and be like, great, tonight's good. And I get this guilt. If someone's like, Oh my God, can I get in the house? The house is nice. And I'm like, "Ah," which is good. I like doing it, but it's like, shoot, now I got to move some stuff around. I'm not at the point where I can just be like, yep, I can go. I'm like checking my wife. I'm like, okay, the kids like, and sometimes I might be like, listen, I can't, I got stuff with the family tonight, but it's like that stuff becomes very um, variable. And then you have your day to day stuff, which is just your just the menial tasks. You have to, you know, just the little things that you try not to really, you know, you try to batch them. Like me, I try to do my email only a couple times a day. I try to, you know, but you have those things that are just waiting the wings. And then the third part that really gets neglected by a lot of people is that on business work. And the on business work, it's very tough because you, I'm a flow state. You mentioned it before with editing. Like I have to be in a deep flow state for my mind to be right to think of how I want. Because the other, it's like. I kind of allude to imagine if you were like digging a tunnel and you're digging the tunnel well, at the very beginning, it's very easy. You just start digging cause you're at the start. <laughs> and then eventually it's like, okay, I got to like put the show, like I got to hike all my gear deep into this tunnel to continue digging the tunnel. Well, I find that it's like my focus. It's like, like I, I know my business so good on the surface area and like layers deep that if I'm really trying to go to a layer that I have to tap into, or that's, that takes more time, effort, and energy. It takes me longer to get to that state. And I find that if you're like, like, that might take me a day, might take me a week, might take me a few hours. But if I'm only giving myself two hours or an hour to do that, I most likely will never hit that state. And if I do, I touch on it and then I come right back out because now I'm back into the day-to-day. That's why, That's like you said, if I can just check out no access to the outside world minus like family, really then it's just, you're immersed in that, but there's a, it's like when you know you don't have a phone and nobody can contact you, your stress level about answering the phone goes out the window. At least for me, it goes out the window. Because um, I've had no, like, you, somebody can't physically co- talk to me. I don't even think about someone calling me because I just know they can't. But if I have my phone, then it's like, oh, is it going to ring? Like, oh, someone did message me. What is it? Like, and then you get to that point where it's, it overshadows that just freedom of not doing anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And getting into that deep work state mm because deep work, it, it does require focus and time and energy. And not to say that all the things you would do all the time in a co-working space, even, or something like that would be those deep work things. You can just go and like grind out your email list too. But, um, being able to mix it up and, and change that scenery, I think that's a huge help for doing some of those things. Um, Although I feel like how often are we like away from our phone? I will put it on airplane mode occasionally when I really need to do those like deeper Mm -hmm. dives or those deep work projects because I don't want to get the text message. I don't want to get calls. I don't want email notifications. All those things like pull you right out of it. Um, But it's it's rare, I think, for any of us to really be away from...
0: Do you find you're able to do that like regularly? Like you just mentioned, a couple tactics, but you, like, how often do you think you would do that?
1: I I make time, like I said, annually to do the goal setting kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and for that, I always turn everything off, and then there'll be times where maybe I'm working on drafting a series of emails or, you know, diving into something like that. It's occasional where I will actually close out of everything, put it on airplane mode. I don't do that for editing necessarily. Cause while that is a deep process in its own way, it's also, yeah, I don't know. You can fall in and out of that more quickly a little bit with like those momentary things, but I want a chunk of time to actually make progress in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's
1: not an everyday thing for me.
0: Yeah. I, to I turn off like that. I, I, I've talked about this before, but like I, I'll put my phone on do not disturb where I have like your favorite list can contact you, which is like family. Yeah. Um, so I will put that on. Um. But you know, a lot of times, like most times people contact me, it goes to voicemail. And like a lot of times I can see them calling me and it's not that I don't want to talk to them. It's just, I just know myself if I, if I go down the rabbit hole of answering that phone call, which could be anything you don't know, it could be right. a two minute conversation, could be a 20 minute conversation. And I'm just at the point now in my my life that it's like, if I'm not doing, if I'm here, I want to be working. If I'm home, I don't want to be working. So like, but if I find that I can't get my work done now and it's got to get done, then I know something's going to suffer either with family or my sleep or something is going to have to give. So a lot of it is I try to be very disciplined on that. Same thing with my email. Like I'll block my email from coming in. I have like a little like a, a extension kind of thing that allows me to block my email for hours. I mean, like I've only check it a couple times a day and then I batch it. So I'll look at everything and I go boom, yes. boom, boom. And it might take me 10 minutes. It might take me a half hour depending, but it, I can really go through majority of it really quickly. And then I find that I really only spent 30 minutes on email today. I wasn't glancing at my phone constantly throughout the day, which just took was that, you know, change of task, which is just wasted time, wasted focus, hard to get back in. Um,
1: that's such a good habit to get into. It It is. Sometimes it, I'm better than others at that. <laughs> yeah. I, really I
0: think it's, it's something if, if I had to pick a habit that I've really focused and kept over the last year, that would be the new one I introduced that made the biggest impact. And I've stuck to it. I've been pretty, I mean, some days are better than others, but I would say most days I'm blocking it for, I mean, large chunks of time, at least for, um, sometimes even, you know, probably closing in on 16 hours at times where I'll just do it like from a late evening and through the middle of the day or night through the morning. Yeah. Um, and then what it allows me to do is just to get to my stuff early in the morning. Like I came here early this morning, didn't even check my email and I was able to chip away at the, I have a presentation thing I have to do next week that I'm actually trying to put a lot of time and effort into it, but it's a deep process and it's yeah. like, okay, organizing. And it's kind of, I don't have the, uh, What's, you know, when you see like those, um, detective shows and they have like all the, the Tango web and like the, <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't have that yet, but like, you know, like you said with the note cards, like you have everything drafted and then it's, you're solving this own puzzle that you're making up in your head that you don't even know how it looks, but you know, it has to look, you know, like you'll know it when you know it.
1: Absolutely. And I, and yeah. I find that
0: that's kind of where I am at right now, but I need to sit there and focus on it. I'm reading the same things, but I feel like I'm digging that tunnel, but. Every time I open that up and look, I'm like walking a little bit deeper to get to that space. So, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, it's it's good, but um, it's gonna be a lifetime challenge too. We'll figure it out though one yeah. day. So, <laughs> um, so with the co working space in the photography, you talked about um, what's the what's the vision for both photography going forward, and then co working. You kind of said we know that's new and, and starting up, but you, I'm assuming want to get more just upstate New York? Do you still want to have a, a presence out in kind of like the new England area or is it still more staying up here? Eventually? I, would,
1: I would love to have more of a presence here. I actually am very excited because I just booked my first uh, local wedding for next year. So, and it's on a, a farm in Malone. So okay, well. that'll be really cool. And uh, so I would love to get some work up here and, and I'm, done some anniversary sessions and things like that so slow process of moving up here but definitely would love that to get more local but also do want to keep that connection it's nice to be able to go back and um I love the coast so I, I love being able to to shoot on Cape Cod or Newport and Boston they're all on the water so like that's really nice we have the lake here which totally counts. Um, we came up and I was like, oh wow, this is like, it's like a really big lake. <laughs> yeah. I'd never been up here before I was, until we moved. I think it's the, think it's the sixth largest after um, the five great lakes. It's like, this makes me miss the ocean less than I thought I would because it's just, it's beautiful and huge. But, um, so I love the coast and I love the, the network of people that I work with down there, the planners that I know. And then the excuse to kind of stay connected to family and friends is really nice. So I don't want to, ever get to a point where I'm never going back for weddings I do love doing that there but I would love for it to flip for more to come up here fewer down there just less travel overall would be nice and just one more again the long-term plan though too I I know that by the time I'm you know Fifty fifty five. I'm not going to want to be away for fifteen weddings a year mm. and uh, we, you know, weekends all year. It's physically demanding on top of all of the like time in the summer. And my husband is a professor, so he has summers off. So our schedules do not jive right yeah. now for yeah. sense. figuring out time off and things like that. So. As a long-term plan, too, I'm hoping that the co-working space starts to bring some of that ability to just take fewer weddings in general, and maybe lower that number from 15 to say, you know, 10 to eight eventually in the long term, and and be able to fo- have a different balance in terms of how much time goes to wedding photography and how much time goes to the the space.
0: Would Would you ever? Uh photograph something different than weddings or is weddings really like what you love doing?
1: It's kind of my jam to okay. do weddings. Yeah. I, when I first started, it was like, we were talking about like somebody wants to book me and I would do
0: like portraits, portraits and, photos and
1: seniors and, and, and yeah, uh, headshots and like all these different things. And I, uh, over the years I've kind of find, found that my sweet spot and what I really, really love is supporting couples throughout the planning process and capturing those love stories. Mm-hmm. And it's its own unique, you know, segment of the photography business. And so I I really love specializing in that and being there. And then I I don't even, for example, I don't even talk about portraits on my website anymore. I just have a few families, like I mentioned before, who I photographed their weddings and they've been with me for years. And so I still do their families annually. But I don't, I wouldn't call myself like a specialist in family portraits. And it's not something that I advertise.
0: And well, I think you also build a longer relationship with these people because you're doing like you said engagement or you know uh, was there's engagement what's in what's the first one there's engagement what's the second
1: proposal and then engagement
0: and then okay i'm getting mixed yeah. up yeah proposal. not a,
1: a lot of proposals aren't necessarily um like a guarantee and yeah. that's usually you don't necessarily even have the same photographer because the one per half of that couple is not involved in picking that person. Cause yeah. it's a surprise usually to have a proposal. And I would think
0: that the female picks out the wedding photographer more, so. than, at least in our, <laughs> our relationship. I, I really had no, like, I'm like, I don't care. But the, um, but I think, yeah, if you start going through, like you have a lot, like you go get headshots, like, like, Hey, thanks. Like I, you know, whether it's high school or, or business headshots, like you like, okay, that's great. And then, you know, you might use that person again. But like I said, if you're doing something, um, like I had a, Annika Ful- Fulham was on and she oh, yeah. assorted artistries and same thing like you start looking at the longevity and how long that process takes like you really get to know these people at a very intimate level because you meet their families and you meet them from the start and you go through like the high points and the low points and everything in between and, and I f- feel like it's a whole journey that you get to go on Go on. Where like I said a lot of photography like you go get a photography and bring the family and they'll do a quick thing and then send you the copies and never talk to you again but I think, like you said, yeah, you have a more cheaper. of a connection. So I think...
1: And photographers are usually booked right after venues or planners. So mm-hmm. Annika's a planner. Yeah. Photographers are kind of next in that line. And a lot of times we're working with a couple for eight months, a year, 15 months even sometimes. So you're booked right away early on in that process and you have this opportunity. Everyone's different. I really like actually being able to like serve my couples, educate them in the process. There's so much with weddings that couples don't know because they're planning for the first time and it's the, or it's the only time or their mm. things have changed a lot and, and they don't even know what they don't know about the industry. And we have a bunch of shorthand about how we talk about stuff or terms that they need to know. And there's, you know, Pinterest will send you in a gajillion different directions for things. So there's a great opportunity to just stay in touch. I actually do a newsletter letter every couple of weeks that for my current and past couples with little tips in there about things to think about or consider for just for photography alone, there's like an endless supply of things that, I think about that it might be good for them to think about, like, how do you hold your bouquet properly to get photos of it? Why do you need to have your groomsmen take all the stuff out of their pockets? <laughs> yeah. You know, all these, like, little things that you think about, too.
0: Yeah, um, the pocket one, for, for sure. <laughs> the Well, there was a, a friend of mine, he said this once, that someone told him, you've forgotten more than I'll ever learn in this field because you had been in it. And, like, again, you have someone that's getting their first you know, wedding, like, Hopefully, you only have one wedding, yeah. and you know. So you go with the idea that, like, you have, you know, especially over ten years, and, and this is going to get, you know, more and more pronounced. You have so much more that you've learned. And you're like, oh yeah, I forgot I knew that, but yeah, why don't you do this? Where some people are like, this is so like elementary to them that you've they've they'll never know as much as you've already forgotten, and that's kind of the thing I think with most most people that really dive into something. And um, I'm guessing most of the was most of this self taught photography.
1: Yeah, a lot of workshops Mm -hmm. and things like that. But actually, I initially got into it. My wedding photographer became my mentor, which was really cool. cool. And so I got to work with her for a full year, basically went and was a third photographer and assistant for her on weddings, and then so learned on the job for for shooting and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And then worked for her studio in the summer at as a, like admin. So I got to learn about contracts and all bookings and yeah. Lightroom and like all of those other aspects as well, which was really great.
0: Well, I think and the other thing, kind of tying off with the co-work space, it's you start going into most people right now. Like I, I always say you have Google and the internet. You, you could be become the smartest person in the world about any topic because you just have access to the internet. And and the other thing that you talked about is like, being or getting a mentor is like if you want to get really good at anything the first step is find a mentor just find some someone that's already done what you want to do like i get people ask me all the time like hey what what do you think the first step in real estate is i'm like just go find someone that's good at real estate and just work for free follow them around like learn be a be a fly on the wall and just absorb as much as you can and i would say that translates to every industry like you said like real world applicable like hey here's a camera you're shooting third it's not the you know you're not the the you're not the all-star, but you're learning and eventually you'll be there if you put the effort yep. in. And, and I think it's, I think I find it more exciting. Obviously like you're on different ends of the spectrum too, cause your, your husband's in, you know, the, the academic world and, and you're starting to see different ways of learning and, and, um, you know, the way colleges are and the way that, you know, you start coming up with like a lot of just with the internet and people are self teaching themselves things. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's cool cause you're getting kind of the best of of everything you're kind of blending to be, you know, kind of draw out the best of people. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I think it's cool. I think the co-working space though, you're going to, it's going to start highlighting a lot of people like that that are going in and teaching themselves a second career or a side hustle or something they want to eventually turn a passion into something that's really cool. And it's kind of like, okay, we actually have space. You can come and do that away from the kids or away from roommates or whatever that might be, where it's a little bit more quiet. Exactly. Manageable. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and a and a space for you to then test out some of your new skills and ideas. True. You want to host a workshop and t- try something out and see how it goes, or pitch something like, or more even power just, to you. Come even if space. say like, hey,
0: I'm trying to ma- build this website. Like, what do you think? And then someone's like, yeah, this looks good. Or hey, why don't you try adding this? And like, oh, aha! And then you start doing it. Like I said, you're just polishing. Every person just become a better version of themselves. So, um, well, Lynn, before. We wrapped this up because I had a couple things and I don't know if this is something you, maybe you want to promote it. You have obviously <laughs> that date. So if you want to re- retell people the grand opening date.
1: Yes. Yes. So grand opening will just be a launch party basically to come and see the space and check it out. And that's uh, September 2nd during the first Friday event in Plattsburgh. So it's five to eight, I think. And then oh, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh, Lynn's
0: asking me. I I'm have like, no clue. I think it's five to I, eight. I don't know. if Is, is that live or no? Is oh that yes.
1: That is live now. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you can promote that too. Cause this will come out hopefully later today.
1: Sure. Great. So I was saying earlier, I, there, we have, don't have anybody signed up yet because I just finished this like yesterday and sent it out to my list of like 20 people. Um, but there are, we are doing a grand opening special. So, uh, an extra incentive to sign up early because co working is best when you're working beside other people and so it's pretty cut and dry easy in the sense that uh, across the board all the plans are, are listed on the site you'll be able to click in and check them all out there's like you can go month to month for any of the plans you can get a six month commitment if it's something you know that you want to use and they're all 20 percent off for the first six months and we're waiving the setup fee so that's another, it's a one-time fee just for getting into the administration system, getting your code for the door, like doing all the things we need to do to get you set up as a member. Um, it's a $29 fee normally. So we're waiving that too. It's a little bonus, but 20% off of all the plans. Obviously you're saving more if you pick a higher plan, but there are savings for everybody.
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, and we'll put all this, all the info in the show notes and we'll share this out to people. But again, 26 city hall place in Plattsburgh. Um, Lake City Co-working at gmail.com is how they can reach out. Telephone, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes so people can reach out and on social media. But um, I yeah, think it's really great. cool. Yeah, and I think... Uh, I, I just like new ideas coming to the area. Like I said, just making better options, just different things coming. And um, Yeah, I think this will be cool. I think you're going to find this very beneficial. And if nothing else, you will meet a lot of people, which is good. I'm
1: really excited about that it. They won't run you out of it. town, <laughs> I trust. They might
0: buy you a coffee next door. They won't run you out of town, so that's People good. have
1: been really positive and supportive overall. It's one of those just... Um, internal human fears, I guess, you know, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited for it. And so far the, everyone I've talked to about it has been super positive. And so hopefully that translates into this amazing uh, group of people who are going to come and work there. And I can't wait to meet all of you. So (laughs) come on down.
0: I'm pumped. I think, I think it'll be great, but, um, so we'll wrap it up there again. Uh, Lake city co-working also Lynn Resnick photography. Um, like I said, we'll have both those on there because again, she's trying to get into the wedding industry locally. So, you know, help a girl out. Um, yes,
1: thank she, you. Call me.
0: <laughs> do you watch, when you drive, are you podcast music? What do you listen to? Books?
1: Podcast a lot. I keep music. I feel like I get super antsy and time doesn't go by. So I do a little bit, Fair, but yeah. po- a lot of podcasting. Okay. Yeah. What's your True favorite? True crime ones are kind of my jam. I Crime Junkie is the one that I'm super addicted to right now.
0: So I'm going to stereotype females and their crime, crime series I, and shows. I don't know what it is. I'm like, I like what, like, they drive There's a my ton husband girl, crazy too. a ton of girls I know that are like, yeah, did you watch a serial killer uh, one on Netflix? Or did you listen to serial podcast?" And I'm like, about killing somebody? No, I haven't crazy. <laughs> like you're nuts, but that's okay. Yeah. You
1: d- love them. Do, do, do,
0: do, <laughs> do, do, do what you want. But again, everybody, that's Lynn Resnick. That's episode 199 of the Galen Trombley show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show.